0: Kids are headed out here. Um, it's my privilege to introduce our speaker today, Jason Cruz. He uh, was our speaker last night at our sportsman's dinner and was gracious enough to say, uh, when we asked him to come speak last night, uh, hey, I'm willing to, to speak on Sunday too. And uh, I loved that opportunity, uh, both to give you guys the opportunity to hear from him, but also to invite those people who came last night. Um, to, uh, to come again and hear him again. And so those of you who came last night and then are here this morning, I see some of you here. I'm grateful that you came back, and uh, we're, we're glad to have you with us this morning. Uh, Jason and his son Cole are with us. They're from Tennessee. They drove up yesterday, and then he spoke last night. Um, and uh, Jason's been in ministry for 32 years, and uh, I laughed with him in the hallway a minute ago when he said that, and I said, hey, that's as long as I've been alive, and so, I think I think it made him feel a little old, just a little. Uh, but we're just really grateful to have him here. He pastors in Tennessee, and uh, so I'm really excited for you guys to hear from him this morning, and uh, I just ask you to welcome him up this morning to speak with us, all right? <laughs>
1: Man, that's so, oh, awesome, thank you. Yeah, you know, I'm going to move, for the musicians, I'm going to move this wedge for a minute, because I am going to trip over that, I can already tell. Uh, somebody one time said, uh, you don't need a pulpit, you need a shock collar. Um, and uh, so, you know, hey man, before I... Uh, get going. You know, I'll tell you what was really cool just now. I don't know if you missed this. Sometimes you get used to seeing stuff and, you know, you see stuff every Sunday and, you know, I don't, I, I've never preached here before, but I'm going to tell you something. Watching all those kids run, that's the way it should be on Sunday when you get out of bed. That's the way it should be. That's, that's, that right there. I was like, look at that, man. They get to go to church and they they know it. They had lunch pails. I think one of them was pending to day a while you know, uh, that was awesome. That was so good. Well, I want to, I want to tell you a couple things. If you saw me on my phone a minute ago, uh, I, I wasn't, um, I wasn't taking, uh, I wasn't like, you know, texting or anybody or anything like that. I was taking some notes because I saw some things and, and I just, uh, I thought, you know, I want to tell you guys, I want to tell you guys five things, five truths that I think you're doing well. Uh, and there's probably many more, but I just, five observations from an outsider, okay, that, that I think you should know about. One, I love that you guys um, pray in the congregation. That's really cool. That y'all open up prayer, and I heard different people praying, and I heard different people saying things to God. And I'm gonna tell you, we don't do that at our church, but that that is something. That is one of the coolest things. I've, I've spoken at churches from Maine to California for you know 30 years, and and um, I, I tell you I, that was neat. I, I also tell you one thing you're doing great is, is is outreach to the outside. You know, people. You can say that. You, you know, you can say that you love people. You know how I'm gonna know? I'm gonna know it by what. What you, do. you can say, you know, I can tell you all day that I want to lose weight. You'll know it by whether or not I eat stuff that I shouldn't eat, you know. Uh, and, you know, you, you can say all kinds of things. It's proven in what we do. And what you did last night, spending actual cash dollars to reach people that hunt. That tells me something about who you are. Uh, I will tell you another thing. I saw multiple generations on this stage up here leading worship, and I want to tell you something. You know, um, <clears throat> this past week I went up to Asbury um, for. I wasn't really planning on going. I, but uh, I was. I was. I came to Jesus during an awakening at my little church, and we exploded over it, that awakening. lasted three years at my church. Uh, I didn't know it, but on the, I was like 50 something people and I I came to Jesus. And by the time it was all over, we had well over 400 people in that three year span. And for a small town, that's a big deal, you know, and, and, um, and I went up to Asbury, and it's, let me tell you something, I, I'm 50 years old, right? And, uh, and, and your wonderful pastor was so awesome to point that out to you just now. Um, you know, but, so, so, but I'll tell you, it was really strange. I didn't go up there with any expectations. I didn't go up there with any front-loaded uh, preconceived notions. I just went, and I walked around. And there was many things I could tell you, but one of the things I was struck by, if you haven't heard what's happening in Asbury in Wilmore, Kentucky, uh, um, f- starting back in 1906, uh, God often brings awakenings to this little Methodist school. And, and it's, sometimes they're 15, 20 years apart, and, and he's brought one, an awakening to them. And the whole world is coming. I mean, people are coming from all over the world. And the first thing that, that I noticed was how quiet it was. Like when I got out of my vehicle, I was walking down the street and I was like, it's really quiet. And then when you got into the, if you could even get into buildings, because they have a seminary across the street and they're opening up buildings all over the place. And here was the first thing I noticed. I noticed that for the first time in my ministry career, I wasn't at the front of the line of leadership. What I noticed, the first thing I noticed within 90 seconds, this whole thing is being led by people 18 to 25 years old. And they're not kids. They're old enough to fight in the military. They're not kids. They're young adults. And I'm telling you, the Lord really convicted me. He's, and, he, and, he, and he impressed upon my heart, Jason, your generation will either help them make history or you will become a footnote in history. And I'll let you sit on that. It, 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 I was an elder for the first time. I didn't realize I had gotten older, but but I had. And, and it was, it was interesting. So I think what you guys are doing with putting generations on the stage is a big deal. I'll tell you another great thing that your church is doing that I think is of the Lord. You've got a really awesome coffee area over there with desserts that I actually did send my staff team and said, Hey, they are killing us in Canton, Illinois. All right. We can do better. Um, and the other thing that I noticed too That is just epic Is this so different When you go to a different culture The first every turn, Everywhere I turn There are coat racks Everywhere You know I'm like yeah Because it's cold Up here This is like summer for y'all You know And uh, we walked in And saw a de-icer In buckets I'm like that's how you know When when you know When they're, they're, they're They don't Snow ain't going to stop church Listen man You know In my state In my state This is You think I'm lying I'm not lying In Tennessee In Tennessee I have, Every year, we shut down the school system on the possibility of snow. <laughs> I'm not making that up. We we miss three to five days a year on the. It, it might snow tomorrow. Oh Jesus! You know, and our people just help us, Lord. You know, and that's just all. That. So I'm going to turn my phone off now. I just wanted to write you. Those are five things I think you're doing honestly really great. And turn my phone off now. And um, so I uh, I want to I want to tell you. Um, you, you, I've never met Matt. I I think I spoke up here six, seven, eight years ago and he wasn't here, they don't think. And, but I'll tell you, it it takes a lot of guts to do what he did to, because I called him up and I said, Hey man, he asked me what I was going to speak on. I said, I I said, I want to ask you to trust me on something. Let me tell you. On the other end of that phone line, I would have never wanted to hear that question. Okay, as a pastor, I'm like, "Oh my gosh, what is this? What's he about to say?" I said, "I wanna, I wanna talk. Would you be willing to let me speak on? Um, do we have the first image up there? Can we put that up there?" Um, I, I, I don't. I think this thing is on. Yeah. What every pastor wished every church member knew. And and it's a good thing. But I tell you, I said, but Matt, I don't, I told him, I said, I don't want to tell you what I'm going to say. And and, and if he was smart, that's when he would have said, hey man, I think we. I should just preach. I I I really do. I, I don't really. But, but I said, here's why. I don't want anybody to accuse you of knowing that, you know, you brought in a guy that said a bunch of stuff. And I, because I don't intend to say a bunch of stuff. It's, you're going to walk away from this thing, I think, very encouraged. But, but, but I tell you what. And when I say pastor, I don't, 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 that's just not Matt. That's all of us. That's your student pastor. That's your worship leaders. That's, that's, that, that's your kids ministers. That's, that's all of us that, that do this for a calling. And, 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 and I'll tell you y'all, I don't know if you know this because most of you, if you go to church, you know, here in Canton, you know, you, occasionally you might go to your, your brother's church or you may go see your kids, you know, in Wisconsin and you know, whatever, wherever your kids live and you go to their church every now and then. But for the most church, when you think church, you think here and that, and, and you no, know, you should, that's what you think, you know, it's what it's what it's your experience. But I want to tell you, you know, I get to speak and have for 30 years in churches all over the nation. And I'll tell you that here's what I can tell you is happening. There's a lot of conflicting data since covid. There's a there's a lot of different percentages on this issue, but none of them disagree that pastors are leaving ministry faster than they ever have in, in the history of America some are saying upwards of 40 to 50% some are saying it's just elevated 5 6 7% but every one of your data databases is saying that in fact uh most studies that i've seen is that uh, the last one i saw was that 43% that's almost one out of two 43% of ministers if they could find a way to replace their income they would leave the pastor tomorrow the pastorate tomorrow that's a fact now, I don't know how, how if it's that high, but it's it's. I, I talk to a lot of pastors, and it's hard. Ministry, I talk to a lot of student pastors, and when I say pastor, it's not just, don't just think Matt. It's, it's people that are called to, whether it's part-time, quarter-time, they're called to vocational ministry of some level. And so today, I just want to encourage you with a few things, because y'all have been going, we're going to get to the Bible in a minute, I promise you. OK, but I want to set some things up first. OK, if you would just let me. Right. Could you just give me your heart for a minute? We you just, you know, I know. I mean, I mean, I'm from the South. You know, y'all can make fun of the South all you want. Where do you all retire? Right. Yeah, exactly. Come on. Right. Yeah, we know. So but but if you would just if you would just uh just open your heart for a minute i think you're going to be really encouraged by this but i want to set a couple things up before we get into this cuz cuz my goal is to help you see you know uh, my daddy always used to tell me son don't ever go into the kitchen of your favorite restaurant don't let me tell you daddy was right right i made that mistake one time and i'm like i'm i'm never you know about 3 times a year about three times a year. I don't, I don't, food from Taco Bell. If you work at Taco Bell, God bless you. I'm just saying, it, it, it it'll put, I lost, I lost 12 pounds in seminary by just stopping eating at Taco Bell. That's the honest truth in the 1990s. But about three times a year, I, I, I want a Nacho Bell Grande and I, but I don't want to see how they make it. I really don't uh so let's talk for just a minute right let's just talk for a minute i want to give you some practical things about what every minister this is your high school pastor your kids pastor your worship leaders all right your volunteer leaders this is this includes people that are volunteering their time all the time here's the here's the first truth okay i'm going to use my 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 pointer here here's the first truth right never complain on a sunday all right don't do that man Okay, listen. There are people. I know nobody is like this in E Free Church in, in Canton, but there are churches in America where there's, that's full of people that believe complaining is a spiritual gift given by the Holy Spirit. And I'm just telling you, it's really not. It, it, you won't find it in Ephesians. You won't find it in Romans 12. You won't find it in First Corinthians. It's really not, right? Um, and you're gonna you know, and you're gonna be tempted. And here's why I think human nature does this because oh. You know, uh, there, you know, there's, there's Jack. I've been, I've been thinking about this all week and I'm not gonna get to see him all week and I ain't gonna have time to call him because I'm gonna tell him how we need to do this different. Right? We need to do this better. Listen, if, if you need to tell Jack that, or if you need to tell Deborah that, or if you need to tell the church administrator that, uh, tell them. But here's how you need to do it, right? You ready for this? Here's what you need to do. Don't tell them on Sunday. Pray about it on Monday. Fast about it on Tuesday. And then anoint your head with oil on Wednesday. And then if by Thursday you still feel compelled, then you need to fast next week. And then what you need to do is if God's still dealing with your heart on that, then you tell them. Okay? I just gave you a formula. If you're a complainer, you're, I didn't say you couldn't complain, I just said there's a, there's a, there's a prescript. And you'll find everything I just said in Deuteronomy, it's all in there, okay? Just seeing if you're awake, right? Because let me tell you what happens, let me tell you what we do, right? Let me tell you what we do on a Sunday, or all week long. We're praying, we're setting up tables, we're getting, we're getting all these songs, they don't just magically appear, your, your worship leaders are getting all this stuff going. They're getting all this stuff. And it's that balloon's getting filled with air. And we're asking God for a movement on Sunday. And we're asking God for a movement on Sunday. And we're asking God. And, we, and sometimes, we even do this at our church. We'll walk through and we'll pray over sections. And, and, I, and I remember, you know, that oh, the Johnsons sit there. And sometimes we'll pray over that area. Or there's times we, we, we know that there's going to be some people sitting over here that are going through something. And so all Sunday, we're getting ready and we're getting ready and we're getting ready. And, and that balloon's getting full of air. And you... Sometimes, man, you you will see people. You will you will see people walk up to somebody and they'll tell them, you know, I tell you what, I, it is cold in there, you know. Well, bring a jacket, <laughs> you know, man, like for real, you know. My 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 dad and my father-in-law both they wear. This is honest truth. Now, listen, if I want them to know this, I'll tell them myself. Okay. <laughs> They wear jackets in July. Right? They're on blood thinner, man. I get it. I'm, it, it, yeah. But you know, we're not going to hold the whole church hostage just because you get cold, you know? But I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's fascinating how, how as I think all of us get to be entitled over time. And I think you get the point. I would just say to you, listen, man, give your ministers, give them that one day. Just give them that one day. That one day to think about you, pray over you, be with you. And, and I'm not saying your feedback isn't important, but so often feedback and preferences are not the same thing. So just be aware of that, okay? I'm going to give you just one more, one more, and then we're going to so allow them to be themselves. This is a big deal. And, and I'll be honest with you, I, I think I wasn't very good at this uh, for most of my life until I began to study personality profiles and the DISC profile, Myers-Briggs, Enneagram, and all those different things when I was in my 30s. And, and I, as I did my doctoral work, and especially when I was doing my doctoral work, I began to really hone in on how God made personalities. And, and I will tell you, it, it allowed, we, we, are, we are human-sized. All of us in ministry, men and women, we are human-sized. And what, what, I have no idea what the church culture is like here. That's why I can speak to you with freedom. I don't have any, nobody's told me anything about your church culture. I don't know if all y'all are mad at each other or if you're all happy. I don't really know. It looked like, sounded like you were pretty happy. So I'm thinking maybe you're pretty happy, but I, I don't know what it's like to serve here. I have no, no frame of reference, but, but I can tell you human nature and human nature is that we're hard on each other. We're just hard on each other. But, but because, you know, let me tell you something I've learned, especially at the age of 50. I'm the only normal person in the room. Okay? I'm serious. I've learned that. Have you ever learned that? Have you ever learned that? How many times have you ever say this to, your, to, your, to yourself? That's weird. Right? Weird to who? Not weird to them. Just weird to you. Right? But let me tell you what we do in Christian life. We, we spiritualize our preferences. What do you think about that? We spiritualize our preferences. We think that, my, listen, my mama, if you like Southern Gospel music, I love it that you love Southern Gospel music. My mother thinks Bill Gaither is the fourth leg of the Trinity. Okay? I mean, she really does. Right? And and that's wonderful. But me, personally, I wouldn't walk across that street to hear Southern Gospel music. I just don't like it. It's not holy or unholy. It's just, I, it's just not. I also wouldn't walk across the street to hear metal. And I wouldn't walk across the street to hear, you know, rap. I would run across the street to hear the Eagles. You know, and I would pay money to hear the Eagles. But, you know, and, and you know, Bruce Springsteen, maybe, you know, and Fleetwood Mac, if they would get back together and journey, especially if Steve Perry would come back. And, you know, but I, there's all kinds of things I would do. But it's just a preference. Right. But we, we, we have preferences in our lives. And so I want to walk you through a couple of things about this. Right. See, because what we do with our preferences is that, And it doesn't make us bad. I mean, I do it. I'm telling you, I am part of the problem. I do it too. I, in my mind, I start measuring things based on what I would do and how I would do it. You know what's fascinating to me now? Is that on Yelp and on Facebook, people are rating churches. I haven't even looked at your church's Facebook page. But I'll promise you, people are rating your church. And let me tell you something. I think that is an abomination to God. I do. I mean that. Who are we to think? We have people that watch our Google reviews so that when somebody posts a review, it happened about six months ago. Somebody just ripped up a whole bunch of stuff. And so you know what I did as the senior pastor? I responded. And I said, hey, why don't you call me? I'm not going to respond to anything that you just said. Why don't you just call me? And if you really care... You'll just call me. But they even made some racial slurs. That's the honest truth. And I'm not woke. They made some comments about people on the stage. I said, I don't know what you're used to, but this is not the forum ever. But it's especially not the forum on Google. So why don't you call me and and you and I will talk. But I would ask you to take this down because I think you're embarrassing yourself and you're embarrassing the Lord. And this person did take it down, but they never called me. I don't think they ever expected anybody to call them. But we rate we rate things based on our preferences. So let's look. Let's talk about pastors for a minute. Some people think you know how. What I've learned I, I've learned that people tend to think um, every. You know what's so hard? I want to I want to go back for a minute. Let's, let's, let's go back to allowing them to. I, I don't want to hit this just yet. Can I go backward? Yeah. Come on, baby. Go 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 back one more for me. Arrow arrow backward. To the, there, the guy dancing, and that's just a good image. We need to leave it right there for me anyway. So, so let, let, me, let me tell you something. I don't know where any of y'all work, but here's what I know to be true about where you work. I'll guarantee you, everybody here... How many of y'all have a job, part-time or full-time? Raise your hand. A paid job. Okay. I promise you that you do not have 17 competing job descriptions. I promise you, you don't. You've got one job description. Based on what you do, right? The hardest thing about being a minister, whether you're a student pastor, a worship pastor, whether you're a you know a, a, a lead pastor, the hardest thing, right? There we go. I'm not. Put, there we go. Oh, whoa, go, come on. It's got the spirit. Um, there we go. Some people. Some people think you know a pastor really needs to be a spiritual CEO. A pastor needs to be the air traffic controller. And so if you think that, and that's not a bad idea, it's just that if you really do think that, guess what you're going to do to me? You're going to measure me based on your definition of what you think I should do. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying you're normal. You're a human. And that's what we do because we think, no, he should be good or she should be able as the kids pastor. They should be able to navigate a budget and profit and loss statements and and help look with HR and human resources and all of these things and and keep the church doing well financially and just the air traffic controller. And that's not a bad model. If you think that that's what a pastor is. But the thing is, you will measure me based on your definition of what you think I should do. Some people really, go to the next one. Some people really really think that the pastor should be a chap. and they're, Oh, a great pastor. He's the, they're just there, man, when you're sick. And, and when, when somebody's going through terminal illness, they're they're, they're showing up at your house. And, 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 and for, for many of you, there are people that think, no, if, if you're doing that, oh, they're, I, I don't really care so much if they're a great preacher or not. Or how well they're doing with the budget or other people. People in church can do that, but man, a, a really faithful pastor will, will really be just there for you at all times. And so if you think that, which that's fine to think that, but just know that you're going you're gonna to define my success and whether I'm doing a good job or not based on what you think I should do, right? Here's another one. Some people really think that the, 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 the really true men of God are out there beating the streets sharing Jesus with everybody. Right. And so that's what a pastor spends all of his time doing that. I've got people that really don't care if, if I do anything else, as long as I do that a lot and they will measure me by that definition. And then there's people that really want the shepherd. You know, that that person that just keeps the, the flock together. It keeps all the needs. But I'll tell you something about shepherds. I've got the shepherd gift. That's kind of where I I land in some of that. I kind of float between prophet and shepherd, literally. Not prophecy, didn't say that. Prophet, truth teller, and and shepherd. But I'll tell you this. Here's one thing I can tell you about sheep, all right, And, and being a shepherd, right? Sheep don't lead the shepherd. You won't find it in Scripture. Sheep don't lead shepherds. Shepherds lead sheep. And shepherds don't always let sheep eat where they want to eat. Shepherds take them where they need to eat. And where they need to live. So shepherds watch out for... And I tell you what, some people think about shepherds, Oh, we just want a gentle shepherd. Shepherds tend to be gentle, but I tell you this, Shepherds are gentle, but watch what happens when wolves come around. They get their gun. Because you're not qualified to be called a shepherd if you're willing to tolerate wolves. Right? So... So some people look at, there's all these different definitions, right, that are in there. And, and, and so what happens is, can we go to the next one? Yeah, some like the teacher theologian, what I call the pulpit professor. That you're great if you can. This might be a John Piper for some of those that follow John Piper. So you you might be somebody that can really, or you know, maybe a Chuck Swindoll or or something like that. You that, that are these amazing exegetes, and as long as they can do that, they're awesome. And 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 so I, I'm really not that guy. I mean, you've already figured that out, and I've only been here like 12 minutes. All right, you've already figured that out, and I'm cool with that. Right, I, I'm cool with it. But I'm 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 not I'm, I am a teacher. I do theology, but I'm not a pulpit professor. I'm really not. And and my job is to lead the people of God where they're supposed to go. So I'm going to, I'm just going to stop there and just say, let them be themselves. And by the way, while I am talking about this, I don't know. Matt, where's Matt? Is Matt in here anywhere? Matt, are you married? I hope. Okay, yeah, yeah. I I, I forgot to ask that. I just didn't want to assume. And I really should ask that offline instead in front of everybody. But, but yeah, I don't even know. What's your wife's name? Who? Haley. There's Haley. Haley, you are dying a thousand deaths right now, honey. And I'm sorry. I did not mean to point to you. But I wanted to use your name in specific. Not only should we let Matt be himself. Let Haley be herself too. Let Haley be herself. Some pastor's wives, I have no idea how, what she does. Or how she moves. Some pastor's wives are all up in it. And they're helping everybody. And they're just in there going, going, going. And because you know, they have a heart for God and want to do all this stuff. Some pastor's wives do that. And then some people go, yeah, look at her, man. She just wants to be everything all the time. busybody." And then my wife's trend's a little more introverted. My, you know, my wife's a little more introverted. And so she's not an introvert. She just Michelle Trend's introverted. In fact, Michelle sent me a, a text not long ago of a T-shirt she said, found. And she said, she said, see, I'm not weird. And, and, and she sent me this in this T-shirt said, introverts, we came to your party. We want to go home now. <laughs> you know, you know, and and, and it's like, yeah, because for me, I want to be around a thousand people all the time, Right. Michelle's—it's a great day if she can shut her door and nobody knocks. The glory of God, right? But some people can look at introverted pastors' wife. Well, she's not. She's disconnected, or she's aloof, or or she's not. No, she's just Michelle. She just let her be herself. And I would say that's true for all all the wives and all the husbands of the people that serve this congregation. Let them be themselves. I'm telling you, it's hard enough already. It's hard enough already. Just let them be themselves, right? And and that's what that that's what I think the glory of God is in that. Let me let me give you one other before we get into the book of James here. I would say inject encouragement into them often, okay? Inject encouragement into them often. You guys, let me tell you what I've learned about about the power of encouragement. Most of us, and sometimes I'm guilty of this too, to be honest. I think. Most of our encouragement stays in our head, and it never finds its way to our lips or our fingers for a text message. I try to teach my boys all the time. Tucker, just the other day, I knew he was gaining ground. Tuck's 12, and, and uh, Tuck said, Dad, boy, I really like it when Emma teaches at students. She's our girls' minister. And, and she, he said, I really like Emma when she teaches. She does such a great job. I said, did you tell her? He said, I actually did, Dad. I'm like, yeah. Buddy, that is that's that's it. Just have gratitude. Have gratitude to say, man, thank you. Just thanks for being here. It, it matters so much, right? And, and so, what I think is 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 we forget to encourage each other. So, but I'll tell you this, man. And by the way, you're going to be tempted at the end of this thing to start blowing up your staff's phone. Oh, I love you. I no, said, so, listen, don't do that. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a different way to do it. Right. We all live and die by smartphones, right? Go on your calendar. Pick four random dates from now to December. And just say, write Haley a letter. Oh, call this person on your staff. Just call them. And that that alert, oh, I told myself in February that I was going to call, you know, Matt or whoever, you you know. Don't just send it on Matt, send it to all the people that work here. Because they're working so hard. And I will tell you, I'm living testimony that I'm telling you right now, sometimes one little text message, I kid you not, will keep you employed. Meaning, keep you from resigning. The coolest gift in 32 years of ministry that I've ever received from a church happened a few months ago. On my desk on my 50th birthday was a wooden box. And in that wooden box were 50 cards from not just one person, multiple people, numbered number one, number two, number three, each individual card. And there was, a, there was a note card of instructions that said, a lot of us got together and we just wanted to tell you 50 things we love about you. I had no, I cried and I wept and I read that sucker every day. Not every day, but more than I go through it sometimes because they weren't specific. Like you've got awesome hair, you know, I had the same haircut since the eighth grade. Right. No, it was super specific. Things I never even knew, but they told me and nobody had ever done that. I like, man, if the house burns down, get that box because there's life in there. There's life in that box, man. So I would just say encouragement. Oh, y'all, it's, it ministry's tough and, and dealing with people are tough. I want to show you something, right? I want to, I want to tell you something. This is a true story. Okay. Um, there's a, there's a guy, guy in, in Texas that, um, he had a pond outside of his house and, and, uh, he had so many frogs in this pond that it was keeping him and his wife up at night. I mean, like, you, you, you've heard frogs, like when there's a lot of, like, we have a duck lodge in Mississippi, and those tree frogs sometimes are deafening during the summer. I mean, deafening. But he had frogs in his pond, and he went to a local restaurant, this guy in Texas, and he said, hey, would you want to serve frog legs? He said, well, I've thought about it. And he said, i tell you what, I, I, I can be your frog leg vendor. He said, really? He said, yeah. He said, how many could you bring me? He said, I think I could bring you uh, a thousand pair a week. He said, "What?" He said, "Yeah, may, it, it, at least 500 pair a week, frog legs." Yeah, okay, deal. They made a contract, signed it. 30 days later, the guy comes comes up and he's got he's got tenfold in his hands, and he brings them to the guy and he said, "Have, hey, I've got your frogs." And he opened them up and there were two pair of frog legs. He said, "Brother, I thought we're like 998 short." He said, man, I I drained that pond. Would you have believed that two frogs were making all that noise? (laughs) Let let, let, let me me tell you something. Let me tell you something that I've learned, right? Here's what I've learned about ministry. Pastors don't leave ministry due to pagans. They really don't. You know, some studies have shown, I heard Rick Warren quote this once, that a study that he found said that the average pastor leaves a church, mega church or small church, there was no difference. The average pastor leaves a church over eight people. Eight people have made their lives and their families' lives so miserable, they're, just, they're out, they're done. But you know what I say? I say it's not just eight people. I say it's, it's the other 97% that let it happen. That just stood by and said, oh, I didn't want to cause trouble. Trouble's already being caused. What are you going to do about it? And so I'm just telling you, encourage your ministers and it will put life in their bones and they won't be turning over all the time, right? Do you know right now, fact, do you know how long the average student pastor, regardless of the nomination, you know how long the average student pastor stays at a church? Ready for this? 18 months. The national average, 18 months. So your kid is going to get a new student pastor two to two and a half times in a four-year high school tenure. You know why? It ain't kids. It's us. We chew them up. My church, they've heard me say it. I'll say it to you. We chew our student ministers up in my county. It's not just my church. It's our county there's a stigma of spirituality in our churches. In my, in my whole county, we are destroying these young men and women by preferences and not getting what we want, freaking out, being hard on them, and checked. oh man, put courage into them. So let's go, let's go now to the Book of James. Right? You guys been y'all still in James? Okay, good because this is going to be way better than anything y'all been getting in the last month and a half. I'm just going to take. <laughs> I just want to see if you are awake, man. I'm just—I'm totally kidding. I've never heard Matt preach. I can't—that was a total joke. Y'all are awake, man. I love it. Y'all are awake. It's good. My jokes are awful. My wife's like, Paul, please stop saying stuff like, you know. Um. So I want you to start in in James chapter four, and and so let me tell you a, a good way to look at your Bible. One of the things that I do on my own personal Bible study is is um, one of my favorite ways to study, especially the New Testament is to go through that book of the Bible and start looking for what I call recurring words or repetitive words. So if, you, if you'll go through your Bible and you'll start, now don't don't just take a highlighter immediately because you could be wrong. A word might be used twice in the same chapter but nowhere else in the book. But what I'll do is I'll get a piece of paper out and I have found really amazing trends. See, when you do recurring words in the scriptures, you'll start looking for a, a common repetitive phrases. Because in the oral culture of the Bible, when the, when the writer, they didn't have PowerPoint, they didn't have messaging, they didn't have television. So when they wanted you to get it, they kept using the same phrase over and over and over ...and over and over. So my prophets say, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord. Right? So they would use those repetitive phrases over and over. So I've gone through, and you can see... ...you might not be able to see it from where you're at... ...but in the book of James, that day I had a pink highlighter... ...and, and I've got repetitive phrases. So I'll take a piece of paper, and every time I see the word like, you know, uh, communion... ...I will write down how many times I saw that word. And so, do you know one of the most dominant words in the book of James... The word brethren, brothers, sisters, people of God. It is at the top of one of. The, and if you'll, you know, but you, do you know why? You know why that is. Well, don't turn there. Just listen. I love how James starts out his letter. James, a bond servant of God, and to the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad. Greetings. Consider it all joy, brethren. It's right out of the gate to the twelve tribes. Do you know who they were? They were persecuted Jews. Messianic Jews. People who were coming to Christ and now they're getting their heads beat in for following Jesus. And they were dispersed. They were persecuted Messianic Jews learning to be Christians. And so James, right out of the gate, reminds them, he reminds them that we're all brothers and sisters into this thing, right? And let me tell you, that word brethren is going to matter because it's just like lenses, right? If you've got a if you got a pair of glasses, I've been certain, I had to start, you know, my... I couldn't make my arms grow any further, so, you know, and, and so I was looking at my phone, and so I just kind oh, of wear them all the time now. And so so here's what I've learned. They, 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 What do they do? They bring fuzzy things into focus, right? Well, if you can start looking at your, I'm giving you all some really great stuff, right? Way better than you're looking on your face, okay? I mean, I'm, no, I'm just kidding. But this is really important, because if you can learn to take these recurring words and use them like lenses, the book will change shape right in front of you. It'll change shape. The reason he's calling them brothers and sisters is because they're going through it together. They're going through it together. They're hurting. They're scared. Y'all, we just had a pandemic 24 months ago, give or take. The whole world imploded. I mean, you may be back to some normal rhythms. Businesses will never go back to normal. Churches will never go back to normal. There is no normal. This is normal. There is no, there's no, it took me a year to convince my staff. We have a large staff and it took me a year to convince them they're never coming back. Well, they kept saying when people come back, I said, they're never coming. Whoever's gone has gone. They're never coming back for 17,000 reasons. And they're like, ah, they're never coming back. They may trickle in a few here and there, but what you got is what you got, church. What you got is what you got. So I want to talk to the brethren, us, the the people, the men and women, the the brothers and sisters of God. Let's talk for just a couple of a couple things about what you and I could could do. Right. First of all, here's how we can be together. We can be united in speech. Right. James chapter three. One of the things let me So you, you know why when James. So what can we do? Let me stop for a second. Why would I jump into James here? Because. We are all in this together. And Canton, you know what Canton needs? They need a church together. They need a church together. Listen, unity is not uniformity, is, right? But it does mean I'm for you. I am for you. And you're for me. And, when, and there's places where we can't... When I started ministry 32 years ago, my list of non-negotiables was 17 pages long. I'm 50 now. I have like two non-negotiable, you know, is it heresy? Okay. Well, then why are we even talking about it? You know, can I get lunch now? You know, it's just most time it's preferences. So brothers, now look at what he says in chapter three. Oh man, let not many of you become teachers, brethren, knowing that such will have a stricter judgment. For we all stumble, but if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's he's a perfect man. Verse 3. Now if we put bits into horses' mouths so that they will obey us and we direct the entire body. Look at the ships, though they are great and driven by strong winds. Directed by a small rudder to go wherever the pilot desires. So is the tongue. It's a small part of the body, but it boasts of great things. See how great a forest fire is set on flame by a small spark. Look at what he says. In verse 11, does a fountain send out from the same opening mouth both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives and vines and produce figs? Can salt water produce fresh? No, he's saying he can't. You know what he's, you know, no, I told you the word brethren matters. Why? You know why he says that? Because family members do not assassinate family members with their words. Family members don't assassinate other people with their words. We are in the same family. And I'm telling you, when you when you speak ill of one another, you, you know what gossip is, don't you? Gossip isn't just tip, 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 tip. No, you know what gossip is, right? Gossip is, what's your name? Dalton. Dalton. What's your name? Jennifer. Gossip from Dalton about Jennifer To me, is Dalton's way, he's never done, I don't even know Dalton, I had to ask him his name, right? It's Dalton's way of trying to form my mind against Jennifer. It is Dalton's way of putting shade into my heart when I think about her. Right? And it works. It works. I'm telling you, friends, you may not like some things I do, and I may not like some things you do, but we are the brethren. And it rips churches up. And I'll tell you, people that don't know Jesus, when they start hearing you talk about one another, you know what they're doing? They're not coming here. Because, you know, my wife has said this forever. Introverts, you know, my wife, they listen better than I do. You know what Michelle told me one time about this woman that was talking about? I said, Why, why aren't you very fond of, of what she's doing? She said, because she talks to me about other people. And if she talks to me about other people, she'll talk to other people about me. And that's where they stay. My wife has a better radar for that stuff than I do. I'm telling you, man, we, we've got to be united in our speech about, you don't have to agree with everything your staff does, you don't have to agree with everything each other does. But my, I mean, for the love of God, we are each other's people. And that's why James says, brothers don't act like this. It's a big deal, right? Here's another place you could be united in purity. Look in James chapter 4. Why am I telling you this? You guys, look around. The last 50 years, when you look at the church, and I mean the church, Methodist churches, Pentecostal churches, Baptist churches, E-Free churches, Independent churches, Wesleyan churches, non non-denom churches, they are, As a whole, what's happening? We are losing. We have lost our culture. If America was a test case, it would be a test case in that you could be the land of a million churches and still lose your culture. Some churches are winning, but look around the country. We we in many ways are an afterthought, but we're the people of God and we're not listen, a lot of churches may be in decline right now, especially post-COVID, but you know what doesn't have to happen at Canton E free? You ain't gotta play that game. They may be declining, you don't have to play that game. But you can be united, you can be united in purity. So so look at what look at what James says here. Verse 1. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures, that's your preferences, that war in your members? You lust and you do not have. You commit murder. You're envious. You're envious. So you fight and you quarrel. You do not... Have because you do not ask, and you do not receive because you have wrong motives that you may spend it on your pleasures. Look at what he says, verse 4. He says, this is why I picked out James 4. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with God is host- friendship with the world is hostility toward God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Wait, listen, man. Before God is love. Before He's justice, before He's compassionate, before He's a father to the orphans, before He's a healer, before anything else. Let me tell you what God is. He's holy. God's holy. And holiness isn't perfection, by the way, right? In fact, I want you to say, I don't often do this. In fact, I don't think I ever do this. But I want you to do it with me now. I want you to repeat after me. Holiness Holiness is not not perfection. perfection. It's not perfection. Holiness is a desire desire and you can you can start turning the tides in canton if you'll be united in your purity one of the things that breaks my heart is that i don't see in the people of god as much as i used to the desire for purity but i'll tell you what jesus said about purity blessed are those that are pure in heart for they will what see god right pure in heart. Isn't that what it says? In fact, let's just read it. Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. You want to see God come alive in your church? Go to him with a pure heart. That's what's happening in Asbury right now. When I went to Asbury, you know what I saw? I saw people, especially young families, laid out on the altar. And, and 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 here's what here's what you had, right? You didn't have PowerPoint. You didn't have all these big preaching. You had hours and hours of worship, right? And you had a guy. I mean, it had in this case case you had a girl, right? And she was just playing. Said just playing. No PowerPoint. No songs. Join in if you can. Just listen if you can. not For hours and hours, twenty four seven. For more than two weeks, right? But you know what it was all based around? Repentance. Repentance. God, make me holy. So you can be united in in purity. I'll give you another one. Be united in action. In in James, in James chapter 1, what does James say, right? James tells us in verse 22, of chapter one, but prove yourselves doers of the word, not merely, merely hearers of the word who delude themselves, right? For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, they're like a man who looks in the natural, at the natural face in a mirror. And once he has looked at himself, he goes away and he immediately forgets what kind of person he was. Listen, it is, it is one thing for you to be able to spell sanctification. It's another thing for you to be able to do it. It's another. It's one thing for you to be talk about the love of God, you know how I'll know if you love God, but how much you love each other. You know how much I know you love God and how much you love people that don't know God. And you did a great job of that last night. You really, let me tell you, even your church, even if you weren't in on it, your church did it. And it, it seems small. It's not small. It's an expression to the community. Because let me tell you, people that wear camo their whole whole lives, you know what they're fully committed to? They're fully committed never to coming here. They they just don't think about it. They're not bad people. They're good people. They just don't think about it. So you did it, man. You were united in action. And and, and, and that, that matters so much in the world that we're in today. I'll give you one more, okay? Be united in stamina as a church. Be united in stamina. Verse 12 of chapter 1 says, Blessed is the person who perseveres under trial. For when that man who perseveres under trial, for once they've been approved, they will receive the crown of life. James says in in, in chapter 1, verse 2, Consider all joy, brothers. When you encounter trials, knowing that testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect work, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Listen, you guys, it's supposed to get hard. It's supposed to be hard. Read the last book. It doesn't get better. It doesn't get better. I'm I'm just here to tell you, that there's coming a day, friends, in Franklin, Tennessee, in Canton, Illinois, Oniana, Alabama, Waukesha, Wisconsin, Monterey, California, Mobile, Alabama, Pensacola, Florida. There's coming a day when we are all each other's got. The Bible's prophesied about that. But I'm telling you, we don't have to be people who just take what the world gives and rally up and just circle arms. No, the Bible says in Revelation that we are the ambassadors of the kingdom. We are the people sent out. to. Hey, that's that's the way it's going to be. And if the world's going to implode, I'll tell you what, they're going to implode hearing from me. They're going to implode hearing from me. And hearing from you in our jobs, in our schools, and we, have, we don't have the right to be theological jerks or spiritually arrogant, but I can tell you right now, I'm not, if, I don't care if I'm the last person in Franklin, Tennessee, I am not intending in any way, shape, or form to back up one inch when it comes to the standards of God. I know I'm fully capable of losing and gaining ground because so the Bible says resist the devil and that he gives grace to the humble and, and he resists the proud. I don't want to be proud, but my intention in my heart is fully intending to hold the line for the Lord. In my family, in my schools, in my church, in my job, on the little league field, I'm going to hold the line. And all all of us right there, you can do this. And I think you are doing it. And all I want to say to you before we pray is this last... is that Why do I bring all this up? Because God... All of those we can do, regardless of how old you are, regardless of how young in the faith or how mature in the faith you are, we all can do that. But God has given you leaders. And looking at the national average, they are falling away quickly. And you've still got leaders that want to be here. That want to be here. And they want to be with you. And I say, I say, let's let's get behind each other. Before each other. So here's what I want to do. I asked Matt a minute ago uh, before we started this whole thing. I said, Can you get for me anybody on the payroll? I don't care if they're paid five hours a week or full time job. If you're on staff in any way at this church, I want you to come on down here. I just want you to get up from where you're at. Come on down here. Okay? This may not be all of them because they've got different people and there's some of them out working right now. You, know, you guys just sit there on the steps. Just take a seat on the steps if you would. If you're on paid staff, come on down here and sit down, right? And here's what we're going to do, okay? I'm going to get this out of the way. Um, and here's what I want us to do this morning, right? Now, some of you really know Matt, and you talk to him, but you may not really know Drew that well. You're going to be tempted to go to Matt, right? What's your name? Brandon. Brandon. Some of you kind of know Brandon, but you're way more familiar with your, if you don't know him, I, I want you to go to somebody you wouldn't normally go to. And here's what we're going to do. Now, I don't know what y'all are used to. You look, I'm, truth be told, all my people know that I'm a closet charismatic. Okay, and they put up with me in the Baptist world. We just don't we just don't talk about it. But, you know, it's how you keep your job and it's whatever. You know, I've been, I've never spoken in tongues, but I'm praying to God just once before I die. Will you please let me have that? I just want that to happen one time in my life. That's never happened. You know, and I'm mad at everybody that's gotten to, you know, I just think it's, you know, I just, anyway, whatever. And you're like, oh man, I, he just blew it. I was with him till that moment. You know, you know, well if, if you don't like that, just consider it a word of encouragement and we're just going to move on. Right. But here's what I want you to do. I'm not going to do anything weird or funny, but here's what I do know. All throughout the New Testament and all throughout the Old, they laid hands on each other. It was symbolic. Like, hey, man, we're with you. So what I want you to do is just get up and if you want to get up here and put hands on some of these brothers and sisters, come on. We're going to surround them right now. So come on up. Just come on up here. This is your time to walk. Let's go. There you go. Come on up. Get on this stage and and sit down beside them. Just get as close as you can. Get as close as you can to these people that have given their lives for you. They know things about families in this town that you don't know. They know things about people in this church that you'll never know. They've walked with you through some dark hours. They've walked with people who will never go to this church through dark hours. Let's just put our hands on the people, the shepherds that God has given us. Let's just go before the Lord. Jesus, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would let every one of my brothers and sisters that you've chosen to call to leadership positions in this church. I pray that right now, just like a branding iron on cattle, when they put the brand of the ranch into the cattle's hide, I pray that these ministers, these men and women, that what they will have branded in their mind is this image. That as loud as critics can be at times, all of their supporters sometimes don't even know it's happening. I pray that right now, every time the voice of the critic comes, it is replaced in the name of Jesus by this image. That you will swap out the voice of the divider And that you replace it with this mental picture. You need to hear, staff, you have far more people for you than you do against you. You have far more people pleased with you. And even if they're not pleased, don't keep trying to please them in the name of Jesus. You do what God tells you to do. You're the shepherds. And you're surrounded Right now, by people that love you. And there are people that just can't even get up right now. Their knees won't let them bend. They can't sit down for a long time. There are people that are with you right now. There are people that aren't even here on this Sunday. They're with you right now. So God, I'm praying in the name of Jesus. I'm praying for, this is what I'm asking God. God, I have seen, I have seen what you can do to a small town when your spirit falls on a church. I was saved in that environment. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you descend on this church? Would you descend on this church in the name of Jesus? Would you put our preferences aside? Would you give the preachers like Matt holy fire in their bones? And on their tongues, stamina and spines of steel. Would you give the student ministry and the worship ministers and all the people that are in worship? Would you give them spines of steel and hearts of flesh to hear from you? Oh God, that you would descend on this church in the name of Jesus. That people wouldn't even know why they're coming. They're coming because the, the Holy Spirit is here. I'm praying for ransomed people. I'm praying for people that are right now destined for hell. That they will come to Christ. And they don't even know why that they're having these conversations. I I got up on a Sunday morning and I went to church and I didn't even know why I went. And that day I was saved. I didn't even know why. Because you, you draw. There is no marketing power in the world as magnetic as the power of you, God. You can draw people. You've done it for thousands of years. Just before mass communications, you just drew people to the church house. Draw them to this church house, God. In Jesus' name I'm asking God that you would that you would give these people the stamina they need. I'm praying, Jesus, right now, that you'll bring this staff united. I mean make them tight. They may argue, they may disagree, and that's actually even healthy. I pray that they will debate, but they will debate for the best way to move the kingdom ahead, but that they will love one another. And I pray over this congregation. God, if you were to even poll my heart and you were to survey my heart, there are many things I would do differently at my church. But I pray, starting with me, that you'll make all of us for one another and with one another. And it won't just stay in our minds, it comes out our mouths. And it's shown in our hugs and it's shown in our text messages and it's shown in our notes. And it's not just shown next week or later on today. It is shown all the time. In fact, I'm going to declare over this congregation, God, that when people would walk up into this place, they would say, wow, what is different about those people? They love each other. It's evident. It's evident because you said, Lord, they're not going to know that you are disciples by your theology. They're going to know by our love. Oh, God, that can't evangelical free would be known to this whole region. They are for each other, and I want to be part of that family. Oh, God, we ask it. We ask it in the strong name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Okay, I made a worship leader somewhere, I promise. It's all yours. I don't know what you do now. Do we dismiss or do we keep going? Okay, I'm done. Thank you. All right.